This morning we're going to look at the, the last part of John chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. But before we begin, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit because there, there are a lot of smart people over the ages, anthropologists, sociologists. They've always said that you could define a culture or a community by what people perceive to be is their greatest fear and how they try to rid themselves of that fear, right? For, for instance, it's always been true that human beings, since the fall, they have died. And at a certain time in the history of mankind, death was really close. They couldn't hide death. So what we've done over the course of time is tried to soften death. We sanitize it, move it away from us. We even, it's not bad, we even talk about passing now instead of dying. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, of course, it does beg the question, what are we passing into? Then later on, we struggled with guilt. And nobody likes to be guilty. Nobody wants to be guilty. So, and there's some truth to this, so we've kind of redefined guilt and made it more of a sickness. There's some truth to that. There is sickness in our world, in the way we think about the world. Today, most, most anthropologists or many anthropologists would say or sociologists would say that we are afraid or most afraid of being afraid. We don't want to be afraid. And, and because we're fearful of being afraid, and there happens to be some very fearful things going on in the world, it makes us anxious. So we're living in, and I think it's not hard for me to convince you of this, in an age of anxiety. Anxiety works its way out in our lives in different ways. Some of us, some of us get worried, some of us get angry, some of us get fearful, but I think it's I think you can just watch the news. We're living in an age of anxiety. And I'm somewhat excited about that this morning. I'm excited because our passage, Jesus comes to us, comes to his disciples, and he reminds us, and it's very particular for our Christmas season, he reminds us that he's come to give us peace. So this morning, we're going to see three things. We're going to see it pretty quickly this morning. We're going to see exactly what this peace is that Jesus brings. We're going to talk about how we can get that peace. And then lastly, I want us to look at what does it look like in our lives? What does it look like to have this peace that Jesus brings? And how's that worked out in our daily lives? Let's read our passage this morning. It's printed for you in your bulletins. It's printed for you because it's the Word of God. We believe the Word of God is alive. It's living and active. God's Spirit promises to work even as we read this passage now. John 14, beginning in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus is speaking, right? He says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that you would help us, particularly in this hour, but even in this month for the rest of our lives. Would you help us understand this peace that Jesus talks about? Would you remind us that we can have this peace that you've come in Jesus Christ to give us this peace. Help us this morning to live in light of the peace that you have brought. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so first of all, what is, what is the peace that Jesus is talking about here? Because if you were to read the Bible, peace is a pretty broad concept. It can mean completeness, fullness, Fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, well-being. Those are all real ideas of peace in the Bible. Jesus says in this passage to those who are closest to him, those who are following him, he gets more specific. Not only does he say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So while peace, shalom, means a lot of things in the Bible, Jesus is being more concrete here. He's being very, very specific, very, very particular. He says, you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be worried. And you don't have to be afraid. Is that not good news? What is it that makes us afraid? What is it that makes us troubled? What is it? that is making us so anxious in this world that we are living in. I've kind of boiled it down to two broad ideas, but I think those broad ideas can be applied specifically to your life. And the first thing that I want to bring up when we, when we think about what is it that makes us worried, the first thing that I want you to think about is this. I shared this in Sunday school a few weeks ago, refined it a little bit so it'll be a little bit different, but many of you will find this familiar. Is there anybody here this morning that is, let's use the age of 30 or above? I think it's probably younger than that. But is there anybody here that's 30 years of age that would not like to redo parts of your past? Maybe correct the mistakes that you made when you were younger. Have an opportunity to maximize some of the things that you might have missed out on. Recover wasted time. Maybe repair broken relationships. Anybody here think that it might be good to have an opportunity, at least in part of your life, to do it over? I have some news for you. You don't get a chance at do-overs. But I have some worse news for you. Even if you did get a chance to do parts of your life over again, you would still mess it up the second time around. 
There is a reason for that, and I'll get to the reason for that after this, but I want to talk about the second reason why I think many of us get anxious. Maybe you don't want to do over, okay? I can't imagine that, but maybe you don't. You just want to know today exactly what you think you need to know because if you knew what you needed to do today for tomorrow, you would have no reason to be anxious if you only knew, right? Because then you'd do it and everything would be fine. That's not true either. And I can say that unequivocally, unequivocally, I can say that without a shadow of a doubt, because there are plenty of things that you and me, we already know to do, and we're still not doing them. Here's an easy one. I thought about this. What are are some of the things that, that I know that I'm supposed to do each and every day that I don't do? We know, unless you're like one of these fringe people, we know that we're supposed to be truth tellers right? Nobody here wants to be known as a liar, right? I'm assuming that. I know, I guess there could be some fringe peoples on the right and the left that they don't care, but most of us don't want to be known as a liar. My wife comes in often and she says, honey, how do you like my hair? And I'm thinking, did she have a hair appointment? Did she just get a new haircut? Because I like her hair regardless of what it looks like, I think. But she's not asking me how I like her hair. She's asking me, do you know that I went to the hair place today? And I don't know that. I can't tell that. I like your hair. That's a simple idea, but but the the truth of the matter is sometimes it's really hard to tell the truth. In fact, many of us, much of the time, don't tell the truth. We could get a lot harder. Love your enemies, Christians. You know that's what God tells you to do. How are you doing with that? The reason why, even if you had a second chance, a do-over, or even if you knew all that you wanted to know today for tomorrow, the reason why none of this works is because the fact of the matter is we don't live in a peaceful world. We don't live or understand this peace specifically that Jesus is talking about. And we are anxious and we're anxious because we ought to be anxious. We ought to be uptight. You want to know why? Because there are all sorts of bad people in the world that we ought to be afraid of. By the way, you are part of those bad people. I am part of those bad people And I am part of those bad people because if I had a do-over, I'd mess it up the second time. If I knew all that I wanted to know, I probably wouldn't do it. And that ought to make us anxious. We have reason to be anxious. And Jesus comes right in to the lives of his disciples, people like you and me. And he says, I have come to give you peace, a peace the world can't give, a peace that you can't give yourself. It has to come from me. And he says, if it doesn't come from me, then it belongs to the world, and we're not talking about the same thing. 
Let me tell you what the world is talking about. And I'm going to use an illustration by everybody knows here when everybody knows I like books. Or if you know me, you know I like books. And one of the books that I recently read this past year was uh, a book by a French existentialist, Albert Camus. Uh, he lived um, 1907, 1913, died in 1960. He really pushed existentialism a little bit further. They called him an absurdist because he believed that, that life in this world is absurd. He wrote a book called The Fall. And in this book, the narrator, the main character, his name is Jean Baptiste. And we see Jean Baptiste moving from a super successful lawyer into a really sketchy kind of guy. And he tells the story of how this happened. And it all began one night, he's crossing a bridge. And as he's crossing this bridge, he sees this woman out of the side of his eye. And he knows what this woman is doing on the edge of that bridge. She's about to jump. And you know what John Baptiste does? He keeps walking. And as he keeps walking, he takes a few steps and he hears a splash. You know what Jean-Baptiste does? He keeps walking. And from that point on, his life takes on a fugitive quality. He's really describing his anxiety. And he says a couple of things throughout the rest of the book that I want us to key in on. He says, first of all, he's explaining this. He says, the question of my life is to elude judgment. And he says, I'll tell you a big secret. Judgment is taking place in my life every day. And then he says one more thing. He says, what I want is I want to be pitied. I want to be encouraged. I want to be loved in the course that I have chosen. But at the same time, I want to cease being guilty. And this is the peace that the world gives. The world says, John Baptiste, you're not guilty. You're sick. It's not all your fault. The world says, I'm really sorry, but it's okay. Be at peace. That's as far as the world can go. You know what God says to John Baptiste? John, you are guilty. It is your fault. But you can be okay, not because I'm sorry, but because Jesus Christ has come and Christ comes and he comes to make peace. And as he makes peace, he alone can give it to you. And all of this passage, in and out, it talks about how Jesus is making this peace. Verse 35, these things, Jesus says, I have spoken to you while I am still with you. These things, it's all that Jesus says, all that he does leading up to him dying on the cross. That's what these things are. Into verse 28, I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Jesus isn't saying he's less than the Father He's talking about the Father's plan that's greater, the will that's greater. The Son wants to implement his plan. He submits to the Father's will by dying so that other people may live because he wants to give peace. The result of God's will lived out in Jesus Christ alone brings peace. Verse 31, Jesus says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know I love the Father. It's out of this love, the Father's love, lived out in the flesh of God, in the Son, that brings peace. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, you're all right, John Baptiste. He says, I'm going to make you all right as I go to the cross and die on your place so that you can have peace. 
Verse 29, he says to his disciples, I've told you these things before it takes place so that when it does take place, you will believe. In other words, Jesus is saying, he's saying to his disciples particularly, but he's also saying to us this morning, I have told you now because the world is about to get real scary for you. If it hasn't been scary for you in the past, it will get scary for you. But when you believe, when you understand what I've done, I can give you the peace that will bring a lack of anxiety and no trouble. So what is this peace that Jesus brings? Let me define it like this. As John Baptiste said, I want to be loved. I want to be encouraged. And I want to cease being guilty. Only Jesus can make that happen. We can't do it for ourselves. The world can't do it. God says, through the Son, applied by the Spirit, I am making peace so that you can enter into it. That's the peace. You want to be loved? In spite of being guilty, God comes in the person of Christ. The second point, how do we get it? Jesus is going to leave He's going to die, he's going to be raised, he's going to turn to the Father, and in his absence, the Father's going to send the Spirit. Jesus already, earlier in chapter 14, he's talked about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Father will give you another helper. That's what he says. So the departure of Jesus is not the departure of God. Jesus comes as the first helper, and I want you to define it like this, God with you, Jesus Emmanuel. But Jesus leaves and he sends a second helper. And now it's even more than God with us. It's the Holy Spirit and it's God in us. Uniting us to Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection. And all that Christ does and all that Christ has and all that Christ gives, it is now ours. By the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, uniting us to Jesus Christ. Verse 30, he says, I will no longer talk with you much. In other words, Jesus is saying this. The ruler of the world will come. The ruler of the world will come on the cross, putting Jesus to death. And he will be crushed. And the reason why the the ruler of the world will be crushed is because he has no claim on Jesus. The one who is fully God. The one who is fully man. He takes the guilt. He takes the sin. All the reasons for our anxiousness. He puts it on himself. He dies in our place. And death and the devil have no right to him. They have no claim to him. And we can't say that about ourselves outside of Jesus Christ. Anxiousness, death, death, sin, they have a claim on us if we're standing on our own. If we're in Christ Jesus, they have no claim on us. The cause of all our anxiety has been defeated. Simply put, how do we get this peace that Jesus provides? How are we to entertain the idea of not being troubled and not being worried? Simply put, Jesus comes as a sacrifice sacrifice for his people People like you and me. And the Holy Spirit unites us by faith to all that God is and does in Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus died and you died. He lives and you live. And it's all in him. So let me say it like this. The past life of Jesus Christ is yours. Our past is no longer ours. He took it. 
His present life is ours. What he's doing now, where he is, we are with him. And his future life, his glory, it is our future. It is our glory. Do you see how you can have peace now, a peace that the world can't offer? You don't have to live your life over again. Jesus' life and all he did, it is yours by faith, given to you by the Spirit. You don't have to live your life over again. It doesn't matter how scary this present world might get or is. Jesus sits in the heavenly heavens, and you are with him, and he is with you, and the world can fall apart, and you are safe. And you don't have to fear about what, what, what tomorrow will bring because your future is secure. And Jesus says, I tell you this now so that you will believe. I tell you this now in the midst of a scary world that the past, the present, the future of Jesus Christ is yours. Do you believe it? Because that's how you get it. It starts right there. Do you believe that the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, that his life is yours? his past, his present, his future. And I know some of you are saying, you know, it does sound good, and there's very, some of you are not having any problem with any of this. You know the gospel because that's what I've just presented. What does it look like in our lives? And I spoke of two big reasons of, of, of these ideas that make us anxious, that make us troubled, that make us fearful. If I could just redo parts of my life, I'd have more peace. It's not true. If I just knew what I needed to know for tomorrow, I'd have more peace. It's not true. Let me tell you what is true. You don't have to live your life over again. You don't have to know more than what you already know. You don't have to know any more than what I've already said here this morning. Because your life is now or can be defined by what Jesus Christ has done. So you need to realize, you need to understand that all those things that you should have done that you didn't do, it doesn't matter anymore because Jesus Christ did them. All those things that you did that you shouldn't have done, the slate's been white clean, and you are good. Your past, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, Your past with Christ has been hung on the cross and it is now gone. And let me tell you, let me show you, let me explain to you from my perspective what this should look like. Very personally. I am not worthy in the past, in the present, in the future. I am not worthy in and of myself to be considered one of your pastors. I am not worthy, past, present, or future, to be considered in and of myself one of your friends. In and of myself, I am not a good father, and I am not a good husband. But the Spirit of God, by grace, grabs hold of us through faith, enters into my being, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, and I think many of you can as well, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I can be at peace with the one who created me and saved me. And as I live in Jesus Christ, what Jesus does, what Jesus gives, I am exactly the pastor and exactly the friend and the husband and the father that he wants me to be. And I can be at peace even when I fail. Because Jesus Christ has never failed and Jesus Christ never will fail. And I have no reason to be anxious. 
What does this peace look like for those who think if you only had more information, if you only knew exactly what you were supposed to do, then you wouldn't be afraid about tomorrow? Because it is true, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus and friends, it is true. You do not know what tomorrow holds. And I'm not going to pretend that it's all going to be pretty for you. What you need to understand in the midst of the world that we live in, the Holy Spirit doesn't just knit you together with the past life of Jesus Christ while on earth. He has knitted you together with his present life in the heavenly heavens and the future life when everything will be made right. And regardless of what happens tomorrow, there is no human being, there is no human activity, there is no worldly event that can take Jesus Christ's past, present, and future from you because it is yours in him. And nobody can take that away from you. If it's just you in the world, you ought to be afraid. But if it's you and Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ in you, then I can tell you, you are safe. Jesus says at the end of verse 28, If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. Now, it sounds kind of funny. Do the, the disciples love Jesus? Yes, they love Jesus. Jesus isn't rebuking the disciples. He is acknowledging their weakness in their love. He's acknowledging their anxiety. And he's just saying, you just need to love me more. He says, you need to love me more. Now, the question is, we're just like those disciples, many of us. Do I love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Yes. Is it true that I need to love Jesus more? Yes. You know how we love Jesus more? We need to see more and more of the love of God the Father seen specifically in this passage that's so much present that 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 love flows out from the Father through the Son by the Spirit, pours out into our hearts, and we rest in the love of God. We rest in his promises. Beautiful and powerful God's love is. It moves out from the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit into the world to save sinners like me and you. And in the midst of our anxiety, our fear, and our troubled hearts, we know that God loves us. The love of the Father for the Son, the love of the Son for the Father, the love of the Spirit for the Father and the Son is poured out into our hearts and lives, and we know peace and we feel peace. I got one more thing to say, and then I'm going to bring it to a close. This piece is very specific. It's about about we are guilty, and yet we want to be loved. And on the cross of Jesus Christ, our guilt is taken care of, and we are no longer guilty, and we are loved by God himself, the one who created us. It comes to us by faith that we believe in the person of Jesus Christ. It's worked out in our lives. And I know some of you, because some of you love me enough to tell me the truth, and and some of you will say things like that. That, This really sounds good, right? But it's not working. Some of you say that. and Most of you won't say that to me because you're afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. But some people who love me have said, yeah, I know all this, but it's not working. I need something more. And and what what you're talking about is um, you want certain things to do to distract you from the unpeaceful place that we are in, right? So I, I was thinking about this. Maybe you should do yoga. And I'll do yoga with you. Because right? I think yoga is kind of cool. Right? I've only done it once, but, but it did take my mind off the anxiety of the world, mainly because it hurt my body so much. <laughs> and I was good for 45 minutes. 
All right, so maybe you do yoga. That's the piece that the world gives, and it lasts for about 30 minutes. Maybe, and these are good things, maybe we'll just go out to coffee. We'll talk to you about uh, over coffee. You know, you have friends here. You do this with each other. You go have coffee. You have a really good time. You, you ask some questions. You enjoy each other's company. You even get some good advice. That's peaceful for a time. Or, or maybe, yeah, we still got a few, few little bit left of college football. We can distract ourselves in bowl season. We'll have peace, but for a little while. You see, the reason why I say all that, because those are the other options, right? Those are the other options. I will always have to say, and I cannot help but say, and I am compelled to say, that at some point in your life, there will, it will always come down to a time where you're at the end of your day, And you're going to lay your head down on that pillow at night and you are going to be all alone. You can't go do yoga all day long. Your friends are asleep. They can't drink coffee with you. And the ball games are over. And if you do not know the love of God specifically and very particularly in the person of Jesus Christ, if you don't know what he's done and if the Holy Spirit hasn't united you to him, you will be alone and you have reason to be anxious. But if you do have Jesus Christ, you are never alone, even when you feel like it. And Jesus is bigger than even your feelings. And you may not sleep that night, but morning is coming, and he is our only hope. All I have to ever offer you, the most important thing, the only thing that will give you peace in this anxious world is Jesus Christ and him crucified, and him raised from the dead, and you coming to grips with the fact that his past is yours, his present is yours, his future is yours, and no one can ever take that away from you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, we just thank you this morning, even as we celebrate this Christmas season, that you have come to us in Jesus Christ. But it's even greater than, than that. That Jesus Christ came, was born a man, born of a woman, and he died in our place. And he now sits at your right hand in the Holy Spirit, and it's not only God with us, but it is God in us. And we are yours, and you are ours, and we rejoice this morning because we can trust you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.